Welcome to Dads Discussing Sports, where real fans come for real sports talk and no BS. We are your hosts, Blake Melton, Bradley Newberry, and Matthew Parker via phone. What's going on, dudes? Another glorious football another rainy day here in middle tennessee it is never too rainy for football though no 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 no. the weather does not matter the weather doesn't matter thank you guys for taking the time to hit play download this episode of dds we're going to get into some reactions right away blake this one's for you to start cam newton was just released by the new england patriots oh cam mac jones the anointed one or did he just whip his ass in the preseason? I don't know. I tend to think maybe Cam Newton's thinking about maybe a Senate run somewhere in, in his future. No, I don't. I don't have a clue. But look, guys, Mac Jones as a starter in the pre or excuse me in his time in the preseason was thirty six for fifty two for three eighty nine in the touchdown. Mm. Those are not bad numbers for a rookie right there. So I, I think that he's he pretty well just whipped his ass in the preseason. Parker, what do you think? Uh, Blake's right. I mean. Mac Jones has played better. He's the highest rated uh, rookie quarterback in the league this year. But he wasn't that far ahead of Cam as far as stats go. I think this might even go a little bit deeper than that. I mean, if you want to look at this, there are a lot of beat writers that talk about Cam being a cancer in that locker room already, about how he was going around saying, I'm quarterback one, I'm not helping Mac Jones, and that doesn't fly in the camp. On top of that, he's not vaccinated. You can't have your starting quarterback maybe randomly missing two weeks in the middle of the season. This has already been a problem for him a couple of times. I don't care what any player says, what any coach says, what any GM says. If there are two players they are close, they are going to pick the vaccinated player. I 100% believe in this thought here, Parker. We've heard it on local sports talk that uh, if, if, if it's close, they're going with the vaccinated player. It's it, – I mean, it, it, it's still Robert Kraft's team. So, right. I mean, they, they, those are the kinds of decisions he will make. He will make the most conservative, the ones that make the most sense and will will uh, have the least impact as far as the stupid stuff with COVID. I mean, don't, I'm not downplaying COVID, but if it's as simple as getting a vaccine and he's refusing to get a vaccine, then, I mean, why would you not go with the young kid that you can basically tell what to do? And, 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 and I know Mac Jones has come out and won't say if he is or isn't, but just by him not being tested every day, it's pretty obvious it seems that he is yeah. vaccin- vaccinated. Now, my problem now turns, who picks up Cam? Because if you're vaccinated, you can kind of walk into that, uh, just walk into the team, you're ready to go. If you're unvaccinated, you got to jump through hoops after hoops after hoops. Quarantine. Picked up. Yep. It's a, what is it, still a mandatory seven or ten day quarantine before yeah. you can even practice yeah. with a new team. Yeah. yeah. So it starts in two weeks. It's too late, bud. He's not going to be ready for week one. No. I mean, he's going to be checking the injury reports and seeing who's desperate for a quarterback, most likely. Yeah. This is how how much of a cancer Cam Newton is in that locker room, and this is the real reason I believe it. You know who they're going with at backup now? Brian Hoyer. <laughs> We've heard that name before. <clears throat> Sorry, I laughed out loud. <laughs> well, that was the big breaking news of the day. Uh, let's move on to a little reaction. Um Former Titan slash Oilers GM Floyd Reese unfortunately passed away on August 21st. Um, he spent 42 years in coaching, and as an executive, 
holding different positions in the NFL. Um, he was with the Houston Oilers from 1986 through 89 as a linebackers coach, 1990 through 93 as assistant to the GM, 94 through 2006, the uh, GM and um, EVP for the Oilers slash Titans. From 09 to 12, he was actually with the New England Patriots organization as a senior advisor. Um, Parker, I'm going to defer to you. Do you have any thoughts, memories of uh, a really good man? You know, this is the epitome of be careful what you ask for. I, along with every other Titans fan at the end of his tenure, was asking for his head. You know, that makes me think about – uh, the Nebraska coaches of old, the Philip Fulmers, because you never know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And Floyd Reese was awesome, y'all. He had 11 first-round draft picks during his stint with the Oilers and Titans. Of those 11 first round, three of them won Rookie of the Year and a fourth won MVP. That hit rate is just unbelievable. They don't make them like that anymore. They really no, don't. I mean, Eddie, Javon, and Vince. I, I mean, Javon Kerr still owns the rookie sack record. If you go through the the history of uh, Oilers that played in Tennessee or the Titans, if you look at maybe the best 10 players, which, you know, is, is depending on who you talk to, but the best 10 players, he drafted seven of them. Hmm. Very sad. The guy lived football. Like you said, he was pretty much the architect of the only Super Bowl team to reach a Super Bowl that Nashville's ever seen thus far, I will say. <laughs> but yeah, the you know from the football side is one thing. Uh, he loved his family. We've heard his story many a times here uh, with local sports talk. Um, loved his grandchildren, and uh, would do would do anything for them. It's just you know very unfortunate with the news uh, with what had happened. And what what did we learn, Parker? That he was a uh, was it something with cancer that he just didn't want to tell anybody about? So it wasn't really made public, right? No, it was, it was cancer. Yeah. Um, he just kind of disappeared off his show and there was rumblings. A lot of local media people kind of, we kind of knew it, but it's one of those things no one really talked about. I, I wish he was, he's going to be in the ring of the honor this year for the, for the Titans. I, I just wish it would have happened a couple of years ago. Well-deserved. He was yeah. told that he was going into the ring before he passed. Absolutely. So Thank good man, good man. Um, Let's move on to some other reactions about uh, what about these preseason injuries, whether it was in camp, during meaningless <laughs> exhibition games. Uh, we'll start with Blake. What do you have for meaningless injuries leading into the season? I, look, I, I am – every year it seems like there's always somebody who gets hurt in these preseason games or just a, a scrimmage or just doing drills or, or something. I mean, it's a part of football, right? Just getting injured, that's part of it. Uh, but some of these first-round picks that are not necessarily first first-year picks or second-year picks that are having uh, season-ending injuries, you know, J.K. Dobbins, Travis Etienne. I mean, that, these these are huge blows, not only to people's fantasy teams, but these are big blows to these teams that are actually on the field. Yeah. So. <coughs> Excuse me. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm with you. I mean, they're massive. I mean, Cam Akers, Damn. you know, 
we've had major injuries go down. Irv Smith for the yep. tight end out of Minnesota. And I think the biggest of all, y'all, we talked about this earlier, how bad the Jets secondary is, that they basically have a high school team starting in their secondary. Eesh. And we thought maybe that they could rush the passer. Well, Carl Lawson, the guy they just signed, their big-time defensive end, done. Yep. Their yeah. defense is, is, is decimated. And I, I kind of – I argue – Depends on the day on what way I argue this on should you play your players in the preseason? I, I know the Rams don't. They refuse to play anybody. But some other teams do. I mean, we saw Trevor Lawrence taking a ton of snaps. We saw Patrick Mahomes taking a ton of snaps. I don't really know where I come down on this argument. I tend to think that maybe they should not. I mean, I'm thinking a series. A odd series. I mean – for example, I mean, this Travis Etienne injury, that, that's a big deal. I don't know how much y'all know about Liz Franck fractures. I mean, I, I kind of deal in this realm. So it's a fracture dislocation in the foot. So it, it, it's going to be – it's extremely painful, and it's going to be a bit of a recovery for him. So, yeah, it's uh, might be shocking for most people to learn that, you know, a foot injury is going to be a season-ending injury, but that's actually a pretty significant injury. And it was on a non-contact play, <clears throat> exactly. technically. It was just him planting his foot. Yeah. I mean, it It just it shows you what wear and tear goes on these guys' bodies, you know, week after week. And uh, I think you have to protect where your, your investment is on these guys. Yeah, man. So, for both of you, I wrote down Cam Akers, torn Achilles, and Camp. Yeah. Carl Lawson, torn Achilles, Travis Etienne, foot. Yep. J.K. Dobbins, knee. Mm-hmm. And like like Parker, um, depending on which way the wind's blowing, like sometimes I'm like, shut up and play football. Yeah. Or sometimes I'm like, it's a sport, so it's always subject to getting injured. And then, yeah. like Blake's mentioned, is why? I mean, you yeah. can run through your practices. They know they're they're professionals. They know what they're doing. Well, I mean, but, and then there's some that I'm like, I, I don't know if they should be playing anymore. Like T.Y. Hilton is going to miss a bunch <laughs> of games because of a disc issue in his neck. I mean, it's like anytime you start dealing with a, with a neck injury, I get really nervous about whether or not that player should even be in the game. So, I mean, uh, I tend to believe that if you have the opportunity not to put them through all that wear and tear and, you know, excessive contact for no reason, which is essentially what the preseason is. I know there's timing and there's all that. I mean, dude, come on, they're professionals. You got other ways you can work on that, but I don't know. I think before last year, I would have said they need to get their timing in, but everybody last year, including myself, thought the offenses were going to come out and stink because there was no timing because there was no practice. There not as many practices, no preseason, Offenses came out last year, and they were better than ever. Yeah. So it tends to th- me, I tend to think these guys are professionals. Yeah, get the rookies out there to do some stuff. But just for a Titans example, like Julio Jones, he's going to practice like three times this year, and he's going to be fine. Yeah. I, I, so I tend to lean on they don't need to play. But as Brad mentioned, most of these injuries are freak non-contact injuries. ETN. Mm-hmm. Why would you think he would get hurt? He was a model of health in college. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. Some of it's unpredictable, but I think a lot of it is unavoidable. Unavoidable, or it is avoidable. I'm gonna get the right word. It. A lot of it is avoidable. So, depending on the philosophy of the coach. Yeah. Well. And you two don't like my coaching no, philosophy. No, I don't. I, my I, I could philosophy. speak a lot about the decision making. 
hey, we'll go. We'll keep going here. But that'll transition into our next reaction. <laughs> yep, there we and go. And I'm going straight to Parker. Parker, oh you said, and I quote: "Urban Meyer is trying to up his trade value, but it will never work." Well, Philadelphia traded for Gardner Minshew, giving up a sixth round draft pick that could turn into a fifth. What say you? I say they didn't up his trade value. That's exactly what they would have gotten from him anyway. All they did. Uh, I is, disagree. Is, all they did was put Minshew out there to miss snaps for Trevor Lawrence. And then they put Trevor Lawrence out in the third game with two or three healthy uh, linemen and almost got him killed. Yes, he had a good game, but it was pointless. I don't think it would have upgraded his trade value whatsoever. I mean, fifth or sixth round pick for a guy that can play in the league. Is that what I thought they would have got? I, in fact, I was shocked they couldn't get a third or fourth. Yeah, I mean, fourth. for me, this was a giant nothing burger. I mean, it, it, for me also, it's like, what does this do to what was already a dumpster fire? Uh-oh, Philly. For Philadelphia. We've already called out Philly. Room. In the East, everyone go back and listen to our East prediction show. Absolutely. I, I mean, now you got Flacco, now you got Hurts, and now Minshew. Wait. What, what, does that, what does that say about Flacco? Parker. Will Flacco survive the cuts coming this week? No. I mean, did that's they, what so, I so they just tipped their hand is what I – that's kind of what I was getting at. Did they just tip their hand? The, the, the only way he survives the cuts is because it's a COVID year. Kind of like why I believe the Titans are going to have three quarterbacks on the team. Maybe they want to keep three. If it wasn't a COVID year, let me put an asterisk by that, he would not survive it. This year in particular, maybe it depends on vaccination status in, in people because, like we talked earlier, you could miss miss two weeks. Uh, I think this is more of an indictment on Philly than it is on Jacksonville. I would agree. I mean, I think that they were totally prepared to um, not get anything for him. And, and somehow they got their original value back with a sixth round that could actually turn into a fifth-round pick. I, I, I don't, think, but I will agree with both of you. I don't like the whole charade of oh, it's a quarterback competition because that's horse shit. Yeah. It was never a competition. Um, I don't like how that that was positioned that way. But um, the fact remains, Minshew trade value, Cam Newton, nada. Yep, I agree. I totally do agree. believe that. So, what does this say about Philly? You know, I think that Minshew. I think everybody knows Minshew can play in the NFL. I don't think he's a starter. But I do think he's one of the more interesting backups in the league. Like, yeah. for instance, uh, T- Tannehill goes down, right? Woodside comes in, we're all crying. It's sad. It's the worst day ever. Yeah. Hertz goes down, and you got Minshew mustache jumping in, firing up the crowd. Like, you get excited. It puts yeah. him – he's one of the few quarterbacks that puts some electricity into the stands as a backup. Yeah. He is a – I totally agree. Baby – Fitzpatrick. I mean, I'll be honest with you. As a Titans fan, every time that we would play him, I'd be like, eh, just because I'm like, because I know there's always a little bit of a buzz with him, because he's just just kind of scampers around and dumps, and he can throw. I mean, he can. Th- he has some upside. He hasn't really proved himself as a starter, but I agree with Parker. He's one of the more interesting uh, backup quarterbacks in the league. If listen to this, if Dak Prescott is not playing where does he rank where would Gardner Minshew rank in the hierarchy of NFC East quarterbacks if you take Dak Prescott out of the equation 
That's a pretty interesting question. And Minchie's right not even supposed to be the starter. Right? I know. But he might be rated over his own teammate. He might be. Is he better than Fitzpatrick? By people, by people outside of Philadelphia, I think they would, if they're answering honestly, they, they probably would. Is he better than Jones? Daniel Jones? Mm. Yes. Yeah. I, I, he's at least as good. I, yeah. I don't know that he's better. I, I love Fitzy, so I, I would go Fitzy there. And Jalen Hurts, are we real-life quarterback? Real-life. I'm not talking fantasy. I'm just real-life. Real-life quarterback, he is – you know, that's a tough, that's a good question. I, I don't know the answer to that. I think Hertz I think he makes better decisions, of, passing decisions. Yeah. Is he as athletic as Hertz? Probably no. not. Nah. No. But he's but he's way more athletic than I think people give him credit for. I mean, he's he's had to be athletic playing behind that offensive line down there in Jacksonville. <laughs> that's true. How about this? If if you're putting me on a three-year scale, I'd rather have Minshew for three years than Hertz for three years, but I'd rather have Hertz for one year. I think that's fair enough. Lightning in a bottle. I think that's what we're talking about. I think what Philly has now is a quarterback and two running backs that we mentioned (laughs) on the podcast. Uh, let's transition to a little reaction ahead of Thursday night's game. Blake, I'll go to you first. Let's talk about QB one in Knoxville. Yep. Uh, university of Tennessee has named their QB one. Uh, it is Joe Milton, uh, the transfer from Michigan. Uh, apparently he set himself apart as far as maturity and his decision-making. I mean, he has the physical tools. He's a big, strong kid, has a lot of athleticism, strong arm. Um, he seems, I, I hate saying it this way, you know, just because as Vols fan, we're, fans were just kind of salty about it, but he appears to be the one that's going to give us the best chance to win. And I know I, all Vols fans hate hearing that because it, we've heard that for too long with Jared Garantano being marched out there over the last three or four years. And, but I, maybe the change of scenery will do Joe Milton some good here. Uh, I've heard nothing but really good stuff. We'll see how it progresses. I mean, the, the quarterback competition is going to have to continue throughout the year uh, just in order to keep everybody ready to play and on, you know, on good form. What's your thought, Parker? Oh, gosh, Blake, don't make me relive JG memories. <laughs> but Joe Milton getting a start is the worst kept secret in Rocky Top. I mean, we've known this for, for weeks. And I think a lot of Vols fans that don't follow follow the Vols all year round when they turn on this first game, they are going to be shocked at how big this guy is. Yeah. This guy, he's six foot five. 244 pounds. He's a monster. He is going to look like he's a seven man. foot tall when he's up against the Bowling Green offense, or I mean, defensive line. He's basically Derrick Henry passing the ball. Oof. He is. He is. He is almost Cam Newton is six foot five, 245 pounds. Yeah. This guy, and I, I, I this is going to sound like blasphemy as a Vols fan. He has got the strongest quarterback arm of any Vols quarterback I can remember. That doesn't mean he's the most accurate. But he has the strongest arm. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that he was always going to start. You know, Heupel, when he was in Missouri, recruited this guy because he would fit his system so well. So he has wanted him for years. And I'm really excited about this. I think he's got an opportunity to, to, to do something. I would agree. I mean, I think that – I think Heupel, like you said, he just thinks that he fits his system. Uh, and, and I think that it, from what I can tell, what little bit I can tell, uh, Milton seems very comfortable 
in this system. And it, it, it finally seems – I think what it really is is, you know, the, the whole quarterback competition. I agree with you. It really wasn't a quarterback competition. What it was is they were trying to pull – some leadership qualities maybe out of Joe Milton and, you know, if another person stepped up, you know, so be it. But uh, I think from what I hear, that's been what's happening. And, and that's refreshing to hear as a Vols fan that, that a quarterback has actually stepped up and decided to be a leader. I, I do feel sorry for Hendon Hooker. He came in in January under a new regime thinking he was probably going to win this or during the old regime thinking he was probably going to win this quarterback battle on the next day. Yeah. I believe yeah. it was the very next day. Uh, Pruitt and everybody got everybody at canned. Yeah. So I do think that he's probably they did they didn't name a backup. You know, if you look at their yeah, roster, oars. Session, a lot of oars. Or is the number one player on the team? Yes, exactly. There's several oars on the on the depth chart. Several. There are even a, even a, even a kicker, but but yeah. Milton, uh, big fan of him, and in Michigan. In his five starts there, he went eight of 141 for 141 with a little over a thousand yards, four touchdowns, four interceptions. He's come out and said though he was so injured that he could barely hold the ball because his thumb was so. Oh, absurd. good lord! And it's cold up there. Yeah, it's that's tough for a quarterback to not be able to hold the ball. Man, I'm so I'm <clears throat> as the non-balls fan of the three of us. I'm gonna trust Hypel on this. I'm gonna. His track record speaks for itself. He's an offensive guy. He's proven it over and over with different teams. A lot less, lot lesser talent than what he should be getting with mm-hmm. the UT Vols in that program. So I'm going to go with uh, trusting that this is the right decision. As Parker maybe even alluded to, this may have been the decision all along. Yeah. How? How now, Parker? I'm interested to hear how you feel about this too, because. Before we move on to this to the preview here, how refreshing is it to have a a coach come in and not you know everybody always says that oh I don't have any loyalty to anybody but they end up playing the same old people, but this guy came in he went and got himself a quarterback that he liked, so I I, I tend to to be with Parker that I'm actually kind of excited about this because he went out and handpicked his quarterback. He didn't just stick with what what he had in the cupboard. No, he didn't. If you guys go back and listen, if people go back and listen to our SEC East preview show, you can listen to how high I am on Hypel. I love this guy. And and like I, I mentioned earlier, you're right. He loves this guy. He's gone after Milton from in high school at numerous different stops. He, he's always wanted him. He's finally got him. And not only is Hypel got his guy with Milton, I think he's playing a little game here. So we mentioned or with Hooker and Bailey. Mm-hmm. If you remember Bailey, last year was a as a free year, right? COVID year yeah. didn't count against you. If Milton goes off this year, who knows? He could be in the draft next year for all we know. Hooker will be done. Harrison Bailey could step in next year as a four year starter. Yep. Yep. You're exactly right. Already having seen play in time, had a, a year of, to learn the playbook basically. Man. It's it's pretty exciting stuff on Rocky Top at the moment. Yeah, I'll transition into Thursday night. Yeah, our little <laughs> look ahead to Thursday. Let's um, do it. This week we're gonna go straight to college football. No NFL this week. Yep. Uh, that'll be next <clears> week. <throat> Thursday night game. We have Bowling Green rolling into Rocky Top. Bowling Green versus the UT Vols. If you want to bet on the Vols, you're gonna have to lay thirty five points. <laughs> Parker. Uh, 
What do you think about this game? Oh, man. So this game is not about Bowling Green. This game is about the Tennessee Vols. Tennessee is not losing this game. If they are losing this game, they should just burn down Neyland Stadium to the ground and be done with it. it. This is to see how Milton comes out, how fast they come out. They're going to play all three quarterbacks in this game. I believe the Vols are going to come out to an insane start. Last year, no Vol walk, no power tee. All these players, a lot of them get to experience it for the first time in front of who knows? It's a Thursday night game. I'm going to guess around 90,000 fans. And it's going to be electric. And I think they put it on, and they put it on fast. Yep. I mean, they got the new LED light system up. I have a feeling it's going to be a, a seizure waiting to happen in that in that place. But, uh, yeah, I completely agree. This is more about the Tennessee Volunteers. Bowling Green is – I mean, they're considered to be one of the worst – football teams in all of college football. I mean, their their defense is historically bad. Their run defense in particular is abysmal. So we're going to see – I have a feeling – we're going to see a lot of offense, but I, I have a feeling that our big boys up front are just going to be dominating at the point of attack. At least that's the plan. We're going to see probably all three, if not all six, running backs that we have in the cupboard. Uh, the starter, <laughs> Tyon Evans, uh, Jabari Small, and Jalen uh, Wright – so I, I'm pretty excited to see some smash mouth going on and just absolutely dominating some folks. I was interested, now that you mentioned the running backs, I, I was interested they didn't have small listed first. I really was uh, on that depth chart. I am too. But, but you're right. Y'all, I have some fun facts about Bowling Green. And just get ready to laugh because you're going to love these. <laughs> Bowling Green last year ranked 126 out of 127 in FBS team in scoring. These two teams played once. It was in 2015. The Vols won 59-30. to 30. Mm. Bowling Green has 12 wins in the last five years. Just looking at last year, 0-5. <laughs> excuse me. They gave <laughs> up at least 31 points a game. Mm. And, and they lost on average by 32.8 points per game. Mm. Meaning and they this, would cover the spread. And they weren't getting – we're not talking taking a paycheck and playing Alabama. This was against an all-MAC schedule. Yeah. They Their offensive line, 15 of the 17 players in this group are either true freshmen or redshirt freshmen. They have one returning starter. Of their, their wide receivers, 11 of them are under that same boat. Mm, yeah. And, that, and that's offensively. Blake touched on their defense – their running game they gave up 310 rushing yards per game last year <laughs> sorry I there's, again. there's all six running backs blake was yeah talking I, about. I'm, I'm dead I'm, it, it it's it could be ugly it could get ugly really quick i'm sure but, but like and, and and with that that 310 you could take off 36 yards off that average and they'd still be in last <laughs> mm. that's crazy <laughs> and it wasn't like they were trying to defend no. Alabama, LSU, Texas Mac. A&M, I mean, aren't Auburn. They, they, aren't they Mac? It's an all-Mac yes. schedule. It was all-Mac schedule. And my, if you had one, brining, uh, one bright, shining spot about this team is they returned three of their four starters in the secondary. And last year, that secondary had zero interceptions. Yeah. Well, it's going to be bad. I mean, look, we know Heupel's offense is going to score. 
We know they're going to score. I think all eyes are really on the defense. Hey, gonna hey, be... hey, don't steal my thunder. Okay, go you, for it, you defense You know what I was going to say? I was going to say, gentlemen. Yeah. You know what I want to talk about. Let's talk about it right now. Defense. Yeah. So, look, the offense is going to do whatever the hell they want. Yep. They should. <laughs> they really are. They should be. Yeah. They're an SEC team. They should be. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be focusing on the defense. Um, I want to see an SEC caliber defense. I want them to just stuff them. If they try to run the ball, stuff them. If they try to pass it, just bat it back in the little guy's face. I mean, be all over this team. I don't want to see any more than 10 points scored because something fluky could happen with special teams. I'm going to go ahead and uh, give my prediction. I'm going Vols 48-10. to 10. And I believe that they will have this spread covered at halftime. But my, I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to go with the uh, as this is my best bet. But I will pick the balls in our balls pick forty eight to ten. All right. Well, I mean, like I said, this is going to be our first real look at live action against a different team um, defense. Uh, it's, it's they're going to be handed the ball a lot. They're going to be asked to play defense. At a very fast pace because they're going to get they're going to whether they three and out it or they score in you know a minute and a half they're going to be playing defense a lot and they're going to be asking a lot of both their defensive line and their defensive secondary but you know our defensive secondary is uh, their most experienced point on their defense so uh, you know Alante Taylor and Warren Burrell they they Kenneth George is in there I, they, I know there was a big uh, competition going on there so I mean it. They've got a lot of experience in the secondary, so I'm hoping that uh, we can at least get some pressure uh, up front, which against this team, like you said, with a very young offensive front on uh, Bowling Green's side, we ought to be able to uh, put some really good pressure on the quarterback, I would hope. I'd hope so, too. And like you just said, it's going to be a fast defense. This new uh, roster that just came out, so Tennessee plays a 4-2-5 defense mostly now under this new regime, a lot of nickel. And their linebackers, the weight on them are like 10 to 15 pounds less than what mm-hmm. we're expected. You know, a lot of these linebackers are safety weights at Alabama. Yep. You know, so it 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 makes me happy and kind of scares me. I think it's against a team like this, it's going to be great against the pass. But, man, when we go against, against a big SEC team, it might scare me a little bit on, on size. Uh, so it is going to be interesting, Brad. I, I don't know what to expect from them uh, from this game. I feel like I do, but moving forward, I think there's a lot of questions there. I just don't know. Yeah. And I do, I do think Tennessee rolls in this game. I, I and I would go with more of a 49 to 17 score is kind of what I'm thinking. All I know is it doesn't really matter the score. Right. It just needs to be something like that. If it's twenty-one yeah. to seven, Vols fans need to freak out. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm going forty-five ten. What happens if this score is twenty-one twenty? Uh, then we got a problem. Oh boy! On both sides of the ball. That means there was little offense yeah. and there was no pushback <clears throat> on defense. I'll tell you what I'm really uh, going to be paying attention to is the defensive line. Yes, I mean defense I'm, I'm looking is at, what to watch. I'm, I'm looking at the the depth chart here. Elijah Simmons, 6'2", 350. Not big enough. Matthew Butler, 6'4", 295. Uh, Jaquan Blakely, 6'2", 270. Uh, Tyler Barron, 6'5", 260. I mean, uh, 
we have a little bit of depth there. There's Latrell Bumpus that's backing up there at 6'3", 290. Uh, Dejon Terry, 6'4", 325. I mean, can we sustain the pace that we're going to have to play defense at on the defensive line. Can we shuffle guys in and out efficiently? Um, are they going to be able to get a, catch their breath long enough to be able to be effective? That's the now, big Sim- thing. Simmons is key there. You just mentioned, you know, 350. Mm-hmm. That guy's gotten in better shape. He weighed in earlier at like 385. Oh, Lord. Yeah, he is a, he's, he's a load. He's an absolute load. I mean, maybe he's just kind of the big – the plug in the middle, so to speak. Yeah. Offense is flashy, but uh, I challenge everyone to watch the defense. That's going to be the key. They're going to win the game. All three of us agree they're yeah. going to win the game. They should win easily, too. I just don't want to flip over and see 28-20 because I'm like, oh, God, what is this? But uh, any any final thoughts before we wrap up this reaction show and the look ahead to Thursday? Everyone – thinks Heupel's a high-flying passing offense, and that's why we're big on Milton and talking about that. But just to what we talked about earlier, how bad this team is at run defense, this is going to be 70-30 run. I mean, they're going to let Milton try to hit some deep balls, get some guys in there. Only reason that they're ever going to pass the ball is for practice. They could hand the ball off against this team every single time. Totally, totally agree. I couldn't agree more with everything that you just said. I love to see it. Run the ball and stop the run. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, some of the the running the ball could – that could help your defense out some too. Give them a little bit bit of a blow. So, anyways, 45-10, that's what I got. 48-10. All right. So, all three of us going Vols. Yep. Thank you guys for taking the time to listen to the uh, reaction show leading into the Thursday look ahead. Stay tuned later this week. We're going to have our college predictions for week one, NFL predictions and college predictions next week, but this week college only. Absolutely. And Hey, we got a new uh, Twitter handle. We need to tell you guys about what, what's that Twitter handle? What is it Parker? Let me see. So new that he so new he hadn't written it down yet. That's true. It is so new. I don't even know what it is yet. I literally just created this thing. Uh, it is DDS Sports Talk. Dad's discussing sports. Absolutely. You guys At check us out there. DDS Sports Talk. Yep. And you can always reach us also uh, on Instagram at the Dad Code Podcast and on Facebook at the Dad Code. And you know, email us if you think we're idiots. If you uh, got something you want to say, whatever. We're here. The Dadco Podcast at gmail.com. We'll come to you. You guys like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. You guys ain't got anything else to say in closing? Go balls. Uh, Rocky top. Oh, wow. Wow. He, he almost <laughs> threw up when he said Rocky that. top, you'll always be oh. number one over Bowling Green to me. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Go Big Orange. You guys be well.